Hi, I'm Brislenny Alvarez. Hi, I'm Emily Hernandez. And I'm Timothy Ramchal. This is Seek Human Spaces podcast, where we explore how to embrace our humanness while smashing oppressive norms. And today we are going to be talking about the immigrant and first generation experience from a college and career perspective. And I wanted to start with you, Emily. When did you come to this country? So I was born here, but I don't follow the norms from here. I think it's it's something that a lot of first gen people understand when it's kind of like your parents come here and then you're immersed in the culture and that's all you know. So I was born in Brooklyn. Yeah. And your family is from? The Dominican Republic. And Brislany, when did you come to the U.S.? So I was very young. I want to say maybe two years old. I was born in the Dominican Republic. Um, but the first memories I have are from the Bronx. So, mm. And both of you are relatively recent grads as well. Um, graduated in 2022. And let's talk about that experience in terms of college. What was that like for you? I had a very unique experience being a Sikh student, um, being at City College. So there's so much going on at once. Uh, so it was scary. It was exciting. It was terrifying. Um, and it was just about growth. I think I was constantly growing. And are there things specifically, you would say, Emily, um, when it comes to being an immigrant, when it comes to, because you're not really a true immigrant in the sense that you were born here, but that you're first generation, were there uh, specific barriers you felt when it comes to the college experience? Oh, absolutely. Um, I was behind <laughs> in almost everything, I think. And what does that uh, mean, you were behind? So when it came out to like filling FAFSA, I had no idea what I was doing. And I know a and lot that's of- financial aid. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I know a lot of high school students don't know, but it's different when uh, you're, you're first gen, um, you're a child of immigrants and your parents don't even have the language to understand what taxes are in general. Mm -hmm. uh, so now you're navigating these two waters that no one knows. Also in terms of like expectations, you know, now it's no longer just the expectation of me going to school and getting good grades. It's also, I am upholding this familial expectation they want me to not just graduate but succeed do it well be the first in in mm -hmm. all sense right so there's so much pressure um mm -hmm. I feel and then in terms of coursework right there was nobody that could sit me down and say these are websites you use to help you with your math homework for example or this is how you get free books this is how you find um resources on how to study or how to manage your time like I didn't have any of that so I felt very behind mm -hmm. and this is from your first year uh, in college you felt this way first year second year third year still a little bit I think it's something that you learn as you go mm -hmm. Brislany what challenges did you have specifically as a result of being an immigrant and a first generation student I feel like I really relate to what Emily just said, because when I was like 10 years old, I was translating legal documents for my mom and my dad, translating um, what the doctor is saying to them. So it's kind of like you have to kind of grow up at a faster pace. And mm -hmm. then when you're going into college, you don't really know what's going on because there's, there was nobody else to guide you. So there was no one. My parents couldn't tell me, oh, this is how you're supposed to do it. This is what you're doing. No, you learn as you go. 
And you better be lucky that you're learning it as soon as possible rather than later, because then it could really mess you up. And what was your approach in terms of uh, dealing with that, that the fact that you were you felt like you were forced to grow up and that you were, you know, learning, um, you know, they say like you're building the plane as it's flying in the air. What was that like for you? I'm not going to lie. It was really annoying. (laughs) It It was really annoying, but it was something that I had to do. So I couldn't just put it to the side and say, oh, you know what? I'm not going to do this. I don't like I'm a kid. No, I had to tell myself, oh, I need to do this because my parents need me and they need my help. One thing that I need to do and as an immigrant daughter and as an immigrant myself, it's like I need to be able to help them. And sometimes it might feel like a burden, but it's something that we have to carry. Yeah. And this is something I hear often from um, from students who are immigrants or first generation, where they talk about that parental pressure and also the guilt that comes with being an immigrant and knowing the sacrifices as well that their parents made to or their family made in order to leave their home country to come to the U.S., Um, to to both of you did you feel that pressure at all absolutely um so I I am the first in many sense I was the first granddaughter the first daughter the first niece the, the first cousin the first everything so there was always this burden of being put on a pedestal and mm. kind of being expected to know everything right and the thing about being put on a pedestal is that you grow up being scared of heights So it feels like every step you take, you're you're walking a tightrope um, and, and you're scared of falling over, saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing. So like Brissani mentioned, the expectation of knowing at 10 what medical terms are, like who knows that? I don't, you know, even as an adult, it's kind of like I have to Google it half the time. Um, or this expectation of having all the answers always for the world's problems at any given moment, no prep time. Um, so yes, absolutely, I I carry that. Yeah, and just listening to you speak, I can I, I can feel how challenging that must be. That it's not only the expectations, like parental expectations or grand or expectations of grandparents, but now like all of these other people who are looking up to you and being a role model for them. And it feels like, oh, I can't do this wrong and I, or I can't fail when you, you're also trying to figure it out at the same time. Yeah, I, I, I totally feel that when you, when you talk about it. And Brislini, what was that like for you in terms of pressure from family or parents? Um, well, I'm the youngest. So <laughs> I have an older sister and an older brother. But I'd say the pressure comes from like, let's say my family made the sacrifice to come here from the Dominican Republic to give me and my siblings a better life. So if I fail at something, it's kind of like their sacrifice is going to waste. Like I'm not working hard enough for the sacrifice to be worth something. It's kind of like I recently just saw an episode of Never Have I Ever. I don't know if yeah. you have Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I love that show. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> It was on episode eight where the main character, Davy, she didn't get into any colleges, but mm-hmm. she lied to her mother and told her that she got into all of them. And then she was like, Davy was going to complain, but her mom came to her and spoke to her and she was like, oh, I was iffy about coming over here from India, but now I know that my sacrifice was worth it because you 
were able to do all these things with your great accomplishments. And in that moment, she felt so horrible about herself because she wasn't able to get into colleges. And it's kind of like that feeling where you have to be great. You have to be the best at everything just so your parents know that they're, what they did for you and what they sacrificed was worth something. So it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with as a young woman growing up. Um, that pressure is really, really difficult to hold on to. And as you were saying that, I was also thinking that, you know, based on that experience and that pressure to get it right, that a lot of times as an immigrant or first generation, you know, your needs are being placed on the back burner because now the focus is on I, I can't let other people down and and not even being able to check in with yourself. Like, what is right for me? What is it that I truly want and which brings me to like the topic of career how did it how was that process for you because you know obviously one of the biggest reasons people go to college is that they're looking to make the decision about what is it that they're going to do for their career and choose a field to pursue how did the the experience of being uh, an immigrant and also being first generation impact that decision for you Brislini? So I've always liked school. Mm-hmm. Always, <laughs> I've always been like the valedictorian and salutatorian in like elementary school and middle school but I've only ever worked that hard because I wanted to make my mom proud. Mm. Like, I'm in college I finished college but this degree is for her she never got to finish college so I want to make her proud that's my ultimate goal. And sometimes you could kind of get lost in that because is it, are you really doing it for yourself or for somebody else? Yeah. Um, And you kind of forget to just be a kid and have fun. Yeah. And I remember us having a conversation as well, where you were telling me that one of the reasons you chose psychology was because of the influence of your mother and how she is someone that helps other people and, and all of that. So it does sound like a lot of what influenced you came from, um, came from that. Yeah, I'm curious as well, Emily, for you, in terms of choosing a major and decided deciding on your career path, how much of it was as a result of um, the expectations that were placed on you? I could talk about this forever. Um, <laughs> my experience is not as nice as we're sunnies. Um, and what was, I was your actually- major? In college? Psychology. So I majored in psychology and I minored in philosophy and it was almost an act of rebellion. Um, I was pre-med up until my junior year of college. Mm. Uh, And that's when, you know, I realized that's not what I wanted to do. That's what my mom wanted for me. You know, when I was little, she told me, you should be a doctor. You should be a doctor. What do I know? It's my mom. Uh, And then I grew up with that. And it kind of that that change in major that change in career kind of really rocked my sense of identity because now it's like who am I Mm -hmm. am I going to be a doctor like what what is this um but in psych specifically I think that was the first time that I was in a course and having coursework and reading material that made me feel seen and validated and heard and I had never had that before like there was no expectation on me and things started to make sense and that's why I say it was an act of rebellion because mm-hmm. my mom and my dad, you know, now they love it that I have the the degree and the job. But before it was like, what are you doing? Like, are you sure? Like, you could be a nurse. It's OK. Almost as if doing anything outside of that wasn't OK. 
Yeah. And I've heard I've heard people talk about this, uh, especially people who come from other countries where um, they say that it's either you go study, you know, like medicine or you study business or you study engineering or the fourth option is that you're a failure. Right. And like that burden of being a failure, especially again, because of that pressure of, you know, these people have made so much sacrifice for me. Did you have to like, was that one of the the, the like the inner conflicts you were facing in terms of um, in terms of that decision? And how did you decide to like, you know, choose to break away from the expectation that they had of you to become a doctor? Yeah, I think um, I still grapple with the fear of failure because mm-hmm. this expectation that's been placed on me my whole life is almost a part of me now. I kind of put it on myself sometimes subconsciously without wanting mm-hmm. to. Um, and I didn't notice until I got into my career field and I was like, oh, damn, I'm expecting something that's a little unrealistic of me where it's not coming from. Um, so, yeah, that I think the hardest part of the conversation of the change in major was feeling like I was being a disappointment and I was letting people down. Um, people that had sacrificed everything for me. I don't know. It's it's hard. I kind of just decided, you know, if I was expected to be successful and to give things 110% of myself, then at least I can do that doing something that I love. And it was really hard to say, you know, I need to set this boundary and I need to go to school and study something that makes me happy, that I wake up in the morning and I feel like it's worth it. And I felt incredibly selfish. (laughs) I felt like I was ungrateful for everything that was done for me. But uh, I, I thought of it bigger picture. Like at the end of the day, I'm going to be able to move past this, get the degree, get the job. Everyone will still understand that it was worth it because I'm doing something worth being proud of. So I almost had to be proud of myself first and let my parents catch up after. You know, as you're speaking, I also think of your parents having a very different experience of what it means to be in a successful career and also as you're in college and you're being exposed to different fields and beyond the the four that are uh, acceptable like the medicine and the uh, and business or engineering or law or whatever like as you as a college student is being exposed to that which is one of the um, biggest reasons people go to college as well to have that exposure and to be able to explore that you are going to see options that they probably uh, were not able to see. So it's also, you know, difficult to convince them unless they are seeing proof that this is actually something that I can, you know, have as a career and I can make money and I can be successful. And obviously you have, you know, you you, you were able to uh, to do that in terms of choosing psychology, but I also see how that can be a terrifying decision because of the fear of failure, the fear of rejection and all of those things, you know, when you believe that you're going to lose the support system. And you also mentioned something earlier, Emily, that I think is a, uh, it's, it's very common, um, is the identity crisis, because I don't know if I'm there or I'm here or what, you know, who who am I? Did you ever feel that like you know uh that you needed to be someone else in college or in in your career yes and no <laughs> um I I don't know that when I started 
college that I had a strong sense of identity outside of my cultural circle, right? Mm. So it was kind of like, who am I? I am the family that comes with me. I am the culture that comes after that. I am the group. I, I didn't have like a sense of me. So I didn't find strongly with somebody who comes from the Dominican Republic. Absolutely. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's incredibly difficult. And it's just something that you often can't put into words. You kind of just have to live it. You just gonna have to do it, fall on your face, fall off the pedestal, um, get yourself back up and realize it wasn't that high and it isn't that bad. I w- I'm wondering, did you ever feel the need to assimilate? Absolutely. And then resistance immediately because I feel, again, ungrateful. Because like, why am I rejecting your culture? Yeah, like why am I rejecting where I come from and what I know? Mm-hmm. And then you're this in this weird space of in between. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not from here. I'm not from there. Who am I? What am I? And then you find other people. You know, fortunately for me, going to CCNY, I found other first gen students, and it was kind of like we were able to build an identity together. Of this is what we are. We are both, and we are neither. We are us. Yeah, and and community is so important in terms of helping, you know, someone navigate this, because it is a crisis in terms of, you know, where do I belong? And one of the things that I've also been learning um, and exploring myself being um, an immigrant, and I came here, you know, um, when I was in high school. So it was a, a period where, you know, you've established an identity already in one country and now you're coming and you have to um, navigate this whole different culture. And I'm coming from Guyana, which is completely different from New- like you're, you're in a big city in New York and it's night and night and day. And, you know, to be able to, how do you deal with that, like in terms of who who am I now? And one of the things that I have been recognizing is that I don't have to identify, you know, with one or the other. I can actually be both. I can actually be open to, to being both and exploring both as opposed to or if I actually am embracing, uh, you know, certain things which are American, it means that I am not grateful to my Guyanese heritage. And that's not true at all. It's like I, you know, I see how both have served me. And I also feel that a lot of times, you know, we feel that we have to choose one or the other. And I love that you said that, you know, with the community, like we're not, you know, we're not this or that, we're us. And how do you start to embrace who you are, which is can be very fluid depending on the spaces that you're in and um, you know who you're talking to. Yeah, Brislini, I'm curious about your experiences uh, when it comes to uh, identity. Yeah, no, identity is a difficult thing where you come from when you're in two places. Um, I feel like if I go to DR, I'm not Dominican enough. And if I'm in America, I'm not American enough. Um, I remember one time I posted for the Dominican Independence Day and my cousin swiped up and was like oh you're not Dominican I'm like what are you talking about I'm not Dominican I was literally born there but I guess since I lived all my life in New York I'm apparently now I'm just American but I can be like how you said I can be both I can embrace both things but it's hard because all you really want to do is fit in and if Mm. you don't fit in one place and you don't fit in the other place it's like it makes you feel like you fit in nowhere. 
like a misfit yeah <laughs> like a misfit. yeah so that that just re- it just really sucks but just learning how to embrace both of those cultures and both of the environments that you lived in and lived through is I think the most important thing because there's always going to be people that say that you're not Dominican enough or you're not American enough but you just have to be okay with being you and embracing both yeah that's so powerful because it's quite easy to you know get sucked into this not enoughness you know wherever you go so now it's like wherever you go you're never enough but also how do you embrace who you are uniquely as a human how do you embrace your humanity and even that not enough feeling it's very valid because I I know a lot of people experience this me included when you're in spaces that you feel like oh the way that I speak is not good enough or the way that I dress is not good enough or you know whatever it is and to recognize no it's not that it's it's not good enough it's that you know I'm bringing my uh my unique self to this situation and that's part of embracing diversity and you know a space that doesn't have room for you is not inclusive and that's not uh there's something wrong with you and it's a it can also be like for a college student that can be a difficult process to you know to actually get to that point because I, I feel a lot of times as well what students are being pushed towards is this integration and assimilation and how would you if you were to talk to somebody who is in college and feeling this like where they're they're finding it difficult to you know navigate between multiple identities and nationalities or whatever it is what would you say to them in terms of dealing with that? Um, if they find out, let me know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I'd say it's okay to be from both places. It's okay to embrace both. If you're, It's okay if your Spanish may not be or whatever language may not be the best. Because I know that sometimes trips people off. Like I know my, my Spanish, I may like forget some words in Spanish and forget some words in English um (laughs) the troubles of being bilingual but it's okay because you are you and it's okay to be you and if somebody else tries to put you in a box saying oh you're not this enough you're not this enough it's okay to be you try not to think too much into the labels because you know where your heart is and you know um you know where you want to be So it comes back to trusting, trusting yourself. And uh, Emily, I'm curious, what would you say to a student who is trying to navigate, uh, you know, this uh, identity crisis? I tell them that uh, their superpower is that they're from both places. And when somebody tries to block them in, that that's just a reflection of how small their world is. And it took me a long time to realize my world is, is bigger than my parents because I also have, you know, I have DR, I have Brooklyn, I have college life, I have career life. So when somebody doesn't understand it, it's because they can't see it. And mm-hmm. that's not a reflection of you. Don't take it personally. Don't hold that. You know, you're carrying enough baggage. Don't add that to the list. Kind of just take it for what it is and say, you know, thank you. Like Brisani said, I know who I am. I know what's up. 
and I'm gonna keep moving. I love that so much because it makes me think of if somebody's container can't hold all of you, it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. It's just that their container is so small. And if you can see it like that, it changes your perspective so much because then it's not like you have to fix yourself or you have to change yourself to be one thing or another. And that is so important because I feel at a time when when someone is in college, this can affect their decisions and this can affect how they're showing up. And a lot of times it's showing up not very authentically because they think that they have to be somebody else in order to be accepted. And it's if you have to be something else other than you are to be accepted, it means that space is not a space that actually is going to be supportive of you. And it's also how a lot of people end up in, you know, career uh, spaces or in, in organizations um, where they feel trapped or they feel that they can't be themselves. And, you know, code switching, which is, you know, you're, you're having to change yourself to be in, um, in certain spaces. And do you feel like when when you were navigating career, um, did you like how did you get the support that you needed to be able to, uh, you know, get a job or um, even help help figuring out what to do, Emily? So I I kind of learned. Um, I'm getting a little vulnerable for a second. I kind of learned through therapy when I was a college student. I ended up having to go to therapy because I needed it. Um, I, I needed somebody that could help me objectively, right? I learned that you don't get everything from everyone all the time. Mm. So I used my parents and my family for emotional, moral support when they could give it to me. And when they couldn't, I said, thank you. And I stepped away. And then I used professional, you know, relationships I had built with, for example, my own ad- seek advisor from when I was in college. Um, has now turned into a lifelong mentor and friend and somebody that believes in me tremendously and helps me, right? And he has pushed me into spaces where I'm meeting other people that can help me professionally. And it's kind of like, you know, sometimes I need that bucket of my family and sometimes I need the bucket of people that know what they're doing. Sometimes I need the bucket of YouTube and Google University <laughs> and I use that. Um, so it's kind of like learning again, you are multifaceted, you have many faces to you, and so do the people that you love and you look up to. So take what they can give, leave the rest that doesn't serve, and that's okay, just keep moving forward. It's not a personal attack, and you shouldn't throw that in the list of things you're carrying. And I'm wondering, because you touched on on such an important point in terms of getting support, and I am so glad to hear that you utilize uh, the counseling center and your uh, seek advisor as well. How did you know to do that? I didn't. <laughs> uh, I crashed and burned. Burnout is real, especially for first gen uh, students that don't know what it looks like, that don't know how to how it feels in the body. Trauma has a really funny way of showing up. Um, sometimes for me, it looks like a headache or backache or I'm irritable. And then I spiral, right? So again, I was utilizing people around me that knew what it looked like, that could call it for what it was and said, you know, hey, I think you need to go to therapy. And I was resistant, of course, because again, in my culture and as in many cultures, it's not something openly talked about. But I think broadening my own horizons and taking these psych courses and opening up myself to a a wider world 
really helped me realize, you know, this is something useful and these professionals are trained to help you. And anybody that thinks that it's a point against you um, are dumb and don't get it. <laughs> Maybe not dumb, but you know what I mean? They just don't get it and that's okay. That doesn't mean that you don't have to get it. So yeah, I just, I, I asked, I took people's feedback, you know, people that I trusted, that I loved. And then I, I took a long look at myself and I said, hey, I'm, I'm dealing with an identity crisis. I'm changing my major. I'm changing my life's trajectory. Can I actually handle this on my own? And we did a whole episode, Matthew and I did a whole episode on asking for support is not a weakness. And in fact, the conclusion that we came to was that it's human to get support and to have people around. And as you said beautifully, that not everybody's going to support you on everything, but it's being able to, you know, find the people who can support you based on what you're going through. And Brislini, I'm wondering, how did you find navigating the challenges and getting the support yeah so I could always depend on my siblings for help since I'm the younger younger sister I they're very protective I am the baby um (laughs) but I could always ask them for support and my sister always always there to guide me my brother always supports me and they always let me know that they're proud of me and that's something big like if you don't have someone telling you that they're proud of you you might feel like what you're you're doing, what you're doing is for nothing, you know. And my mom too. My mom is very supportive, um, but also my my Sikh family, my Sikh counselor, the Sikh community. I got this job because of Sikh. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to graduate college because of Sikh. I was able to come to Brook because of Sikh. So I owe a lot to Sikh um, in terms of that. But yeah, just being able to have the support there is the most important thing for me. Yeah. And finding wherever that is, whether it's from family and for some people, it may not be family and finding the places that you have that uh, support and definitely utilizing resources, um, you know, as a college student. And I I do believe like, you know, talking to uh, talking to counselors and um, advisors Um, they can really guide you because you may not know of all the resources that are available to you, you know, because there's so many. And especially if you're a first generation student and you've not been exposed to college uh, previously, just even navigating, like, you know, figuring out college itself is a difficult experience, much less getting into the nitty gritty of, you know, resources that are available to you. But even navigating college to say, hey, this is something that I need help with, where do I go? And definitely talking to your uh, your counselor is one of the first places. You know, this conversation can go on and on because we uh, there's so many things. And I, I feel that we're going to be talking about this topic um, more. But I, um, I just want to say, if you're an immigrant or first-generation student, uh, to know that you're not alone, to know that there are resources to support you. And Emily actually said that one of the biggest things was, was growing from, um, from these experiences as well. So rather than shrinking yourself, that is can actually be an expansive experience, um, depending on how you handle it. So you've been listening to Seek Human Spaces. Be sure to subscribe to be notified of new episodes and catch you next time. And remember to be human.